0: hi hi hello guys i'm Rui and this is macabre ramblings as always Today it's a true crime full ramble that's in a pretty much obscure side of things it's something that i cannot find much information as i want to have but it's very interesting for me and so i decided that hey if the topic is interesting for me personally then i'd make an episode out of it because you know i don't think that i would put out a good episode if i'm not that interested in the topic and so i took up this very obscure and just bizarre crime topic (laughs) Uh uh-huh and so i'm pretty sure that you have seen the title or if not and this is like playing in a playlist or something the topic for today is about the tiger woman clara phillips the tiger woman so who is the tiger woman (laughs) because tiger woman isn't her actual name and Clara Phillips is actually born with the name Clara Ann Weaver on June 23rd 1898 in Waco Texas Waco Texas Waco I think it's Waco and she was the fourth of five children born to John Weaver and Anna Jackson anna jackson is such a cool name sounds like someone that could be in a could be a singer or something anna jackson a singer a celebrity so clara (laughs) let's go back to clara suddenly i'm so fixated with her mother (laughs) so clara is especially close to her baby sister etta so throughout her childhood clara's family bounced between numerous small texas towns Eventually, they settled in Houston when Clara was already a teenager. So shortly after moving to Houston, 15-year-old Clara met 22-year-old Amor Phillips and they had a romance happening. Uh, nowadays, I could say that my stance on a mm, adult <laughs> basically putting a minor into a relationship isn't good personally i don't think that's good because the age gap is besides the age gap it's more of the mental development gap (laughs) why am i just suddenly rambling about this but yeah because this was in 1898 i guess this is normal for people back then to have like a minor and adult meeting like this and having romance happening so that's what happened between clara and Amor. So there was a passionate romance happening between the both of them. Armour, Armour, I think it's Armour or Amour. Armour, apparently it's Armour. So Armour was handsome mm-hmm. and he was, and he is ambitious. So Clara believed every sweet word and promise that he basically said to her, especially when he promised to give her a better life out West. Mm-hmm. so that's what happened uh-huh. the couple eventually married in Houston on November 13 1913 and Armor aspired to become an oilman and Clara wanted a shot at being a celebrity to become a star Uh huh. and so the natural compromise between the two of them is to move to California where the couple eventually made their home at 703 West 53rd Street Los Angeles California so as the time goes by the married couple were both reasonably successful Clara was very pretty classically pretty you know that kind of celebrity prettiness she has dark hair fashionably bobbed to her chin a coke bottle figure that people love and a luminous and bright smile so Mac Sennett I don't know who the heck that person is but Mac Sennett apparently hired her for a work print work called a bathing beauty so a pin-up girl gravure is that what it is bathing beauty and so and Clara also worked as a chorus girl at Pantages theater in Hollywood Armor on the other hand worked in the oil industry And he made enough money to hire servants to care for the Phillips' home. So you could see that everything is going up and up. The married life is going well. He even sent for Clara's mother and sister. And they eventually joined the household. So they were having a stable, better life. So during the early part of the Roaring Twenties, because this was 1913. So the years passes by. So when oil wells were springing up across the city. Phillips' husband, Clara Phillips' husband, Armour, he was beginning as a, ca- blah, 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 blah. What the heck? He was beginning a career as an aggressive, persuasive oil stock salesman. He bought expensive suits in a big house, all on credit, for his currently 23 year old wife, Clara Phillips. And Clara, as of this time, was a kept woman, but Unfortunately, luxury didn't bring her happiness because of her celebrity lifestyle and you know schedules of people that are th- uh that have jobs within this industry. Her schedule often conflicted with armor and Clara was very emotionally dependent on her husband, which I think isn't that good. <laughs> and eventually because she was unhappy about these conflicting schedules she decided to quit her job and dedicate her time to being Mrs. Phillips but unfortunately this solution was imperfect Mm -hmm, because we're talking about a true crime case here things would always go downhill at some point Uh uh-huh so Armor while he was being reasonably successful the last couple of years eventually money became a problem his credit was soaring, and with the money going down his marriage is also going down and Armor eventually began spending his evenings elsewhere and Clara the one who is very emotionally dependent on her husband noticed this and she eventually grew suspicious as to why Armor is outside a lot these days so what does a suspicious wife do if her husband goes out way too much at evenings? Clara ended up asking Armor what he was doing and he said that he was working on meeting with important people but while Armor was away the neighbors began to talk and the gossip eventually reached Clara's ears and the gossip was regarding where her husband is at night So, according to the local rumor, Armour isn't meeting with important people, but he is meeting with his mistress. And who is his mistress? His mistress was a 19-year-old bank teller named Alberta Meadows. Yep. So, before we continue with para philip side of the story let's go to alberta meadows real quick so alberta meadows her whole name is alberta gibson tremaine meadows tremaine is such an interesting name tremaine oh mine <laughs> so she was born in texas in 1903 her parents were fred tremaine and Lottie gibson she had one brother unfortunately her one brother died during the 1918 flu academic flu pandemic and uh, she has a younger sister named janora alberta was while growing up was a timid girl with a sweet disposition and she loved to sing so in 1922 alberta married a 21 year old construction worker named jesse marcus meadows the couple lived at 1182 north commonwealth avenue and they were very much in love jesse wanted to be a pastor and alberta was just content to be his wife and someday a mother sadly their dream wouldn't come true because jesse in an accident at work at january 10 1922 was killed from electrocution Mm, that's such a gruesome way to go just electrocution in an accident so it's a freak accident Alberta after 10 months after her wedding just 10 months after her wedding is already a widow that's so sad I don't think I think that still feels like the newlywed phase is it it's less than a year so now she's she's now a widow and she needed to make it out on her own she eventually took a job as a bank cashier and moved to an apartment at 813 west 37th street and this is just a few blocks away from the phillips home so now let's go back to clara's side so clara learning about the gossip was very much consumed with jealousy and with jealousy comes rage so this is a pretty much a very bad concoction of jealousy and rage she actually knew alberta but only like you know in, you just know that she's there in the neighborhood and she decided that she'll she's going to take this into her own hands and investigate the relationship between Alberta and her husband and how does a jealous uh, wife do this well by quietly stalking stalking quietly stalking both of them so Clara (laughs) she started calling Alberta's home often and when Alberta basically answered the phone she hung up without speaking just (laughs) because she just wants to see if Alberta is home so she also began to secretly follow Armour around Los Angeles hoping to prove or disprove the this the suspicions that she has one day Clara followed Armour to First National Bank and this is where Alberta is working so in Clara's mind, in her jealousy-filled mind, finding Armour in Alberta in one building was all the proof that she needed to just validate the rumors that there is an affair ongoing. So Clara was devastated and she planned to do something about it. A red flag. A red flag, right? So on July 10th, 1922, Clara Phillips visited a hardware department of a local five and dime store. She picked up a fif- blah blah blah. blah. She picked up a fifteen cent claw and hammer, and while weighing it in her hand for a moment, she turned to the clerk to ask if the clerk thinks that it was heavy enough to kill a woman with. Yep. So she just imagine being the clerk. You're like. (laughs) you're like just manning the place and someone goes in takes a claw and hammer weighs it in their hands and then ask you is this heavy enough to kill somebody so that's a big red flag but what did the clerk think the clerk think that this is just a joke and eventually replied quote-unquote yes it is if you hit her hard enough yep and so hearing that Clara bought the hammer well this isn't going good isn't it so the next day Clara went to a long beach speakeasy and she is with her friend Peggy Caffey. Peggy was also a former chorus girl and she knew Clara from her time at the theater the Pantages theater so they drank and drank some more and while drinking Clara told Peggy about the affair of her husband with Alberta and before they knew it they were both drunk and on their way to confront Alberta so that's not good you know two drunk women who are just filled with rage one filled with jealous rage and one with rage for her friend going to confront somebody (laughs) that's not gonna go well at all so first I have seen like a few accounts about what happened in this situation but this is what I have wrote down as I look through the accounts so first the two women actually went to Alberta's home Clara broke in and looked around but Alberta wasn't there eventually when they realized that the person that they were going to confront isn't in their home after breaking in <laughs> yep so Clara and Peggy took a cab back to LA So they specifically went to the bank at 9th and Main Main Street where Alberta was working. So Peggy and Clara basically hid around the parking lot watching and waiting for for Alberta to walk out to her car. So at the end of her shift, Alberta made her way to her little Ford Coupe. And Clara and Peggy, seeing this, jumped out and surprised her. (laughs) This is sudden like boo hi uh, <laughs> so Alberta recognized Clara right away and she said hello Clara asked her if she could drive both of them to her sister Etta's house in the neighborhood of Montecito Heights, claiming that Etta was sick and she needed care. Alberta seeing that the both of the women were drunk and basically far from where they want to go, agreed to give them a ride, so as Alberta Peggy and Clara rode the car down the winding dirt road to drive Clara basically began her interrogation so she wanted to know how well Alberta and Armour knew each other but Alberta insisted that he was just someone she met and she denied any affairs happening behind the scenes so eventually the ladies reached a lonely point in the road known locally as two three hill two three is there a one two hill three four hill four five hill so okay <laughs> i'll uh haha so while they reached this part of the road clara wanted alberta to step out of the car so they could talk about a few things which is already a red flag once again because you could talk inside the car without having to step out of it so until then until before clara asked alberta to get out of the car the conversation was pretty weird but it had been light you know the tone was light and confused alberta went out of the vehicle just like what clara wanted so clara turned her attention to peggy and asked them and asked them to be excused so peggy was left inside the car while clara and alberta were outside and were talking so clara confronted alberta once again asking quote-unquote alberta my neighbor has told me that you're going with my husband and that he bought these big tires on your coupe is this true so there were rumors that armor was the one who bought the tires of the car but Alberta basically denied this and she said that she was the one who bought the tires and not armor and that she's Alberta said that she has she doesn't have anything to do with armor at all and that he has never bought a thing for her but Clara insisted that not only did Armour buy the tires he also bought the wristwatch that Alberta is currently wearing because the rumors you know the rumor mill became really big whether there is actually a an affair happening or not I cannot see like a definite proof of it but Clara was definitely definitely convinced that an affair is happening so Alberta also insisted that she was the one who bought the wristwatch and she, Alberta even said that Clara can look at the bill of sale and that later on after a trial has happened and all of that Alberta's father would later corroborate that there is a bill of sale of a wristwatch and that Alberta was the one who bought it. So at this point seeing that things are going down south Peggy stepped out of the car she was uncertain if the two girls would just have a fist fight or a cat fight or whatever fight is gonna happen and she noticed that oh no so she noticed that Clara has a hammer concealed behind her back yep mm-hmm. so Clara having like enough of this denying that is happening that Alberta is doing she yelled quote-unquote he most certainly did buy it and she started punching alberta so there was really a fist fight happening so alberta was stunned because what did she just punch me what the heck is happening so because she was stunned she was surprised and she felt like she was in danger she ran down the embankment but she didn't get far because the heel of her shoe broke and she eventually fell down she stumbled clara caught alberta mid-fall held her with one arm and her other arm raised up above alberta's head clara's fingers were tightly gripping the handle of the claw hammer (sighs) so this one is going to be violent because clara she brought the hammer down repeatedly repeatedly smashing it into alberta's face and head alberta begged peggy to help her and peggy tried she really did but when she did clara looked at her holding the hammer the bloody hammer yelling that she should get out of her way and peggy was basically scared because what if she was hit with that as well she would die as well so soon alberta stopped moving and as if that wasn't enough oh my god clara used the claw end of the hammer and raked it over her face then clara dragged alberta's body up the hill while peggy was basically watching in terror like poor peggy she was just there to hang out with her friend listen to her uh crying her sobbing about the affair and how did this happen she's just witnessing sudden she's suddenly was she's suddenly witnessing murder in front of her like peggy just um, peggy was just there like what the fuck is happening and what am i watching so while watching in terror clara rolled while peggy was watching in terror clara rolled a heavy rock over alberta's body just to make sure that she was basically dead as if all the smashing on the head and the rigging on the face and the blood loss isn't enough to kill her so peggy absolutely scared out of her mind and i cannot i cannot actually blame her for that she attempted to run and hide behind a row of parked cars in the distance unfortunately she became queasy from the sight of so much blood and she started vomiting and she became faint and she fell so Clara went to Alberta's car hopped in and drove to the spot where Peggy was laying and ordered her to get in she came poor Peggy and poor Alberta so Clara completely drenched in Alberta's blood guess what she asked Peggy to do I'll give you like three seconds so she asked Peggy to wipe her face off because she has so much blood in her face so peggy terrified and absolutely shocked dabbed away with a handkerchief and put it in alberta's purse then clara reached into the back seat and located a length of fabric belonging to alberta clara used this as a wrap to cover her blood-soaked dress so clara boasted while in the car and i can just imagine just peggy trembling she's she boasted anybody that would take my husband i could do that again and peggy asked but don't you feel awful peggy didn't want clara to basically be angry at her angry on her so she just asked this in a very like meek respectful tone but she couldn't shrug off what she had just witnessed she just witnessed murder a very cold-blooded murder clara didn't respond however and she just flashed a smug grin she just grinned oh my god it's terrifying and she drove to the corner of pico and figueroa boulevard and there she ordered peggy to basically get out of the car Well, peggy has stepped out of the car clara warned her that if she says anything she'll kill her and peggy believed her and of course she would she just saw her friend kill somebody in cold blood so she knew that clara can definitely do murder and if she want to she could do it again so clara still in alberto's car she drove alberto's car th- through los angeles back to her home Mm-hmm. she walked through the door still drenched in blood and found armor waiting oh <laughs> my goodness <laughs> she told armor quote-unquote i just killed the one you love and now i'm going to make you the best dinner you ever had I don't know what armor was thinking of at this very moment i think that he was shocked he was terrified and he wouldn't know what to do and so apparently clara did give him the best dinner he has ever had while she told armor the details of the crime armor understandably had no words other than to deny the affair that uh, denied the affair that clara was believing in so much he had no idea that Clara can do this and he was repulsed by it, still he felt obligated to protect her and he eventually concocted a plan. First, they washed Clara, her clothing, and Alberta's car of any blood evidence. Armour instru- instructed his wife to drive the car to the Greek theater's parking lot in Pomona, a nearby town, while Arthur trailed behind with his own car once Alberto's car was abandoned armore chauffeured clara back home and advised her to pack a few things because she was about to take a train ride somewhere else to hide Armor then spent the rest of the night frantically raising enough money to send clara to mexico to hide by morning he had enough cash to send clara off to el paso through a train uh so even if the destination was el paso Armour advised her to disembark at a random town where she could basically quietly slip into society and live out her life. Uh, so the couple shared a tender, tender goodbye kiss on the train platform and went their separate ways. After concocting this elaborate, I don't know if you could call it elaborate, but this plan to basically save Clara and not put her in jail, Armour eventually felt his conscience running after him catching him and wrapping itself all over him and his conscience wouldn't allow him to remain quiet about the murder that Clara just did and he realized now that he was an accessory because he helped her and he knew that he could be in trouble he decided that he would call a lawyer and he told everything to this lawyer and this lawyer understandably advised him to tell the police everything before uh armor called the police they actually located the body of alberta meadows and her body lay lifeless beneath the small boulder that clara rolled onto her chest so alberta's hair was crusted with dirt and blood and her face was hardly recognizable so according to the police she looked like a tiger had mauled her and this is where the tiger woman came about and the name just stuck so Clara is the tiger woman now Los Angeles police put out an all points bulletin and proceeded to hunt the tiger woman on July 14th police in Tucson Arizona called to report that they had her in custody so this is when Armour have told the police everything that he knew about the murder so the tiger woman as the papers the newspapers have called her was a media sensation unfortunately this media sensation wasn't just a negative one because Clara was youthful she's pretty she is uh she has a bright smile there was a lot of admirers yep she committed a gruesome shocking murder with lack of conscience or remorse she still became a heroine on other people's eyes for some reason because i think they saw her as a wife that was cheated on and so people have like looked at it as kind of a vigilant justice i suppose so while she was awaiting her trial one local paper at the time said that quote-unquote in the face of many extreme discomforts she has taken everything cheerfully she's tolerant she has never yet uttered a single complaint has never asked for anything taking all things as they come without a whimper so they're definitely putting compliments on her after killing somebody in this way in a very gruesome way so while clara was uh, sitting on a train bringing her back to los angeles for the train for her trial there was a large admiring crowd waiting for her she beamed at the people her fans she posed prettily for photogra- for photographers and she flirted with the reporters <sighs> so she was installed in the con- she was placed in the county jail and more people were there to cheer her on they sent her flowers candy love letters in her cell she spent most of her time just eagerly reading the many newspaper reports about her crime what the heck is happening what are the people's (gasps) what the heck so back in Los Angeles there's a very frightened Peggy but she ignored Clara's warnings that if she talks about this she would die and she disclosed the events of what happened that day to the police so when it came the time to extradite Clara to California the time when she was in the train to go back to Los Angeles Peggy was there on the train and Clara was surprised when Peggy identified her as the woman who killed Alberta Meadows and beat her to death. So once Clara was back in Los Angeles, Deputy District Attorney W. C. Duran interrogated her and Dr. Louis Louise Louis Weber performed a mental examination. Armour remained under police custody in a downtown LA hotel, and Clara was rightfully locked away in jail. By July 17, 1922, the coroner completed an inquest and Clara was formally charged with murder. Her trial would have begun on October 20 of that year. So Armour hired attorney Bert Harrington who prepared a temporary insanity defense because of the amount of gruesomeness in that murder. So a jury of 9 men and 3 women were assembled. The prosecuting attorney Charles Frick Built the case for first degree murder. If the judge ruled in favor of the prosecution, Clara would face the death penalty. So she could die. Clara's first meeting with her husband since the day that she was in the train to go back to Los Angeles basically ended up on front page news. Clara, my goodness, dolled herself up for the occasion. She wore a new, less lace edged dress and held a little press conference beforehand a reporter asked her if she still loved her husband and she replied sweetly yes (laughs) so the reporter asked her had their nine years of marriage been one long honeymoon she answered well i guess so that is yes and no so to those of the members of the press that were tactless enough to mention that to mention why they were all there to the so the murder Clara replied demurely that she was not allowed to comment on the subject so the report a reporter asked was it true that she had once created a scene in her husband's office because she was jealous of his stenographer and she said no comment was it true that she had once stabbed a man in a local theater definitely no comment so I see here that there are rumors ongoing around her now because she's front page news armor finally appeared on the scene And he was wearing a dapper suit and carrying a box of candy so what in the world is happening right now what is this what the heck so uh so one of the newspapers newspapers reporters breathlessly reported that Clara quote unquote threw her arms around her husband she looked up into her husband's eyes and then buried her fluffy brown head of hair on his shoulder she cuddled to him as a dove would to its mate and when he kissed her and whispered to her she played with the lapel of his coat what in the world is happening what the heck is this circus right now so Clara at this point has a lot of fans and of course they were expecting to see her greatest performance at her trial and boy oh boy she did not disappoint uh, so uh one of the trial there is a woman covering the trial a reporter journalist whatever you call her of one of the local papers uh said quote unquote there really is some class to clara if she isn't a gentlewoman born, born is certainly what eleanor glynn would call one of matri- one would blah, a blah, blah blah would call one of nature's ladies and armor phillips is actually the one who was looking more pitiful than the one who is being charged with murder and might get the death penalty. She basically got more of the criticism than Clara did. One journalist openly expressed his incredulity that Mr. Phillips could have been responsible for all of this. The reporter said quote unquote as he sat in court yesterday hearing Peggy Caffey's sordid testimony it didn't seem possible that any woman as bright as Clara could have considered him worth all that agony so Armour is the one who is basically getting all of this suffering instead of the one who actually did the murder so clara eventually took the stand and with a few tears rolling down her face she explained how alberta died it was very simple and how did she protect herself what is her testimony she basically said that it was peggy who did it all so Peggy looking timid, looking traumatized and the stand in the trial, Clara basically said that Peggy was the one who bludgeoned Alberta Meadows to death. But basically not many people believe this at all. Because Peggy was looking so traumatized, as I have said, she's looking so traumatized to the point that she was weeping and she was quivering so much on the witness stand when she testified. And uh And so when Peggy was the one who testified against Clara's words, national newspapers printed Peggy's every word because she spared no gory detail. So as I have said, almost no one believed Clara's version of events, except one journalist named Jesse Carson, and he pledged his undying love for Clara openly, and he eventually developed an obsession with her. But the jury, even if this reporter was very much obsessed the jury was not easily swayed but they were unfortunately still swayed because on November 16th 1922 Clara Phillips was convicted of murder in the second degree not in the first degree murder so she's not going to get the death penalty so apparently three women jurors wanted to see her hang but eventually compromised on second degree murder because one of the jury foreman said that supposedly her smile had softened the hearts of male jurors and I will say this once again what is this circus what in the world is happening so let me add more to this circus by saying that there are several reporters that claim that Clara had her feminine charms to think one male juror was quoted as saying quote unquote she had the most appealing smile I ever saw so her trial created a sensation more letters more candy and more flowers were delivered to Clara's cell. Armour Phillips went further into debt so he was certainly the one who is suffering in this ordeal. He was further into debt because he borrowed heavily to pay for his wife's defense but after all of that the jury still found Clara guilty. So after the sentencing Clara still proclaimed that she's innocent and that no matter what happens that is not going to change so in one in one jailhouse interview in 1931 Clara Phillips said this quote-unquote I don't know whether I killed Alberta Meadows or not but if I did I did it for motherly love I fought with Alberta on the top of Montecito Drive to protect the only love I have ever known I did what any mother in the world will do if she saw her baby being taken from her Armour L Phillips is my baby he has been my only baby He's my very life and when I realized he was being taken from me I fought 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 so that I might always have him so now Clara is basically sent to jail because yeah though it's just second degree murder which is <laughs> absolutely bonkers in my opinion uh-huh so now let's fast forward to this uh very bizarre day of december 5 1922 and at this day a jail matron which i think is a police stationed in jail the ones who do the patrols and stuff so a jail matron went to clara's jail cell for a scheduled check to the surprise of the jail matron clara's jail cell is empty she's not there but the window is open and the bars on the window some of them were sawed clean through so Clara's footprints showed that she climbed up to the roof and somehow descended unnoticed into a car because the tracks of the car tires I assume were still fresh next to Clara's footprints police noticed a second set of large footprints likely belonging to a man so Clara the tiger woman has escaped so imagine just managing to smuggle a saw into a jail cell amazing in a bad way of course so immediately when the police realize that Clara has escaped the jail the jail they were scared for Peggy's safety because Peggy did testify against Clara after even if Clara has threatened her that she would be killed the moment she did so they were scared for Peggy's safety, and they rushed to her home. A vehicle, and they noticed that a vehicle left the same tire tracks in front of Peggy's house. So Peggy was in danger. Luckily, Peggy at that time already left town. So Peggy was alive. Peggy has survived. Once again, a nationwide search for Clara happened. Armore claimed that he knew nothing about the escape plans. where clara might have gone police then theorized that clara might have fled to mexico and so they sent her photographs to Mexican authorities in april of 1923 some authorities in san salvador el salvador spotted clara at a hotel april she escaped in december so that's quite a long time actually for being like on the run so they spotted clara at the hotel on April, April 23, police arrested her in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, where she was registered under the name Mrs. R.H. Young. She was in the company of a gentleman named, guess who, was the one who helped her bail out of jail? Jesse Carson. Yep, Jesse Carson, the one who was basically suddenly obsessed with her after seeing her in this trial (laughs) so jesse carson helped her and he was with her when she got arrested and also her sister etta ma jackson initially police didn't know which woman is clara and which was etta since they both refused to give their name so in the honduran jail where clara was uh brought first there was a crowd of teenage boys gathering around just to see you know the glimpse of the infamous tiger woman somehow clara managed to talk to the boys and managed to make a plan for a second escape what the heck girl (laughs) this time though the jail warden caught wind of the plans so the jail warden managed to stop it and on april 29 the jail warden arrested 15 15 man 15 that's how many they are 15 teenage boys that are gathering near a ladder which is propped up against Clara's window. Clara at that point realized that attempts to avoid her sentence was basically futile and so she stopped trying to run. May 26, 1923, Los Angeles Sheriff Biskailuz, I don't know how to say names, so the Los Angeles Sheriff, accompanied by two deputies in a jail matron, arrived to return Clara and the comp- and company to Los Angeles. Clara while on the ride back to Los Angeles amused her escorts with the stories of her recent escapades so she was just having fun in a way. It turns out the way Clara managed to escape the first time was that she used Jesse's affections his obsessions for her to gain access to a saw Once she could get through the window, she made a quiet plan to escape with him and travel the world as Mr. and Mrs. Jesse Carlson. They spent the first 5 weeks of her escape in Los Angeles. So to not get caught, Clara disguised herself with a pair of eyeglasses. Which makes me wonder how amazing is that disguise, just eyeglasses. So when Los Angeles became too dangerous probably because of the nationwide hunt for her, she met up with Jesse Carlson and began introducing herself as his wife. So, oh my god, Jesse Carlson is probably just above the moon at that point. So, as Mr. and Mrs. Carlson, Clara and Jesse, toured the toured Texas and Louisiana's jazz joints before going to Veracruz, Mexico. So from Veracruz, the pair traveled to Mexico City and there they met up with Eta. At that point, Clara tried her best to fly under the radar. Unfortunately for Clara though, apparently Jesse is a drunk. He drank frequently and when he is drunk, he tended to be loud and boisterous. So catching attention of people also she began to see her photograph in mexican papers because the police sent the mexican authorities her picture when they realized that things were getting dangerous the trio etta clara and jessie decided to move even further south where they could basically disappear they agreed on honduras where they basically it did not work (laughs) basically their uh, disguise did not work in honduras because they basically stuck out a lot because they look very American very English speaking people and that's a I suppose that's not how the people look there in Honduras so they stuck out instead of disappearing into the crowd so in the end Honduras was where Clara's escapades ended and justice was once again prevailing so since Clara decided that running away is futile she just remained in prison so on June 2 1923 guards escorted Clara back into San Quentin prison at first Clara was very depressed she was a depressed prisoner she apparently got so de- blah, blah blah. she apparently got so de- depressed huh? how how why do I n- not know how to talk so apparently she was so depressed that she attempted to basically slit her wrists Eventually, she decided that if she couldn't escape, she would become a model prisoner and pray for an early release. So that's how it usually happens. So Armour Moore still continued to stand by her for a time. So the couple exchanged love letters and made plans for their future. In 1929, Clara asked California Governor Clement Young to release her while she's still young and could become a good wife and hopefully a mother girl what the heck she and Armour planned to go far away and start a new life but of course governor young denied that request because what in the world just a prisoner going and approaching you and going like can i get released please why i'm still young and not rotting in prison <laughs> so clara phillips stayed 12 years in prison and in prison she found religion as a lot of people do she organized a seven-piece orchestra she trained as a dental technician (laughs) so she's doing the damn thing when it comes to like productivity Uh uh-huh uh so (laughs) while learning how to become a dental assistant she met a convicted burglar named Thomas Price so even in prison Clara was like I cannot be alone I could not be single in prison even if I'm still married with more outside. So in September of nineteen thirty-two, a correctional officer intercepted a love letter from Clara to Thomas, and this love letter is explicit, full with like, you know, sexting of the times. <laughs> so this lapse of judgment apparently cost Clara visitation, library, and mail rights. So this also heavily influenced the parole board who denied her parole in 1933 and 1934. The remainder of Clara's stay in prison was uneventful, the communication with her husband to Armour was less frequent as time moved on. Armour apparently relocated to the east coast and started a criminal career of his own, so after being an oil man he's now a career criminal and he and Clara never managed to attempt a new life together. So in 1935, when Clara came up for parole, uh, the citizens of California were not happy at all, but there wasn't a thing that they could do about it. She had been promised a guaranteed parole date when she agreed not to fight her extradition from Honduras. Clara gained her freedom in 1935, but when the prison doors opened, there was an eager crowd waiting outside while chanting, Tiger woman, tiger woman. So there are reporters as well so it's just a media frenzy but when the reporters asked her about what she wants now that she's out of jail she asked them to allow her to be forgotten so outside of prison for a while she lived quietly in san diego with her mother and she changed her name and moved to texas where she worked as a dental assistant clara and and finally finally divorced in 1938 more apparently at that time uh has faced charges for running a bogus film school he is also faced charges of assault at a christmas party uh traffic violations and grand theft so definitely became a career criminal so only one man claimed to know the rest of her history outside prison I suppose and this is A.R. O'Brien head of California state prison board and he kept in touch with Clara in 1939 he reported that she was happily remarried and grateful that she is living life in obscurity he added also the rather startling and completely uncorroborated claim that Clara now belonged to a to one of the wealthiest and most powerful families in the country So according to O'Brien, it was her family connections that allowed her to escape prison and flee the country. And that's where Clara's story ends. So I just realized while talking about this story, I did say that it is on the obscure side, but I realized that I did manage to get enough info to last like a while. So I'm happy about that. And so yeah, that is where I this case is ending and me just kind of uh, not exactly flabbergasted but more of like surprised but not disappointed that she did not get the full brunt of justice because she did kill someone in cold blood but because she's like pretty she has that bright smile she has that you know uh the classically pretty thing and I I probably she's probably very charming as well she just managed to charm herself out of a few things that she shouldn't have she she should have like gotten the punishment that she should have but well you know she managed to use what she got and got away with slightly got away with things because this is first degree murder because of the hammer (laughs) and the cold bloodedness and the gruesomeness of it to the point where people think people think that it that it looks like alberta got mold bed tiger so yeah so disappointed disuppo- but not disappointed wait disappointed but not surprised yeah disappointed and not surprised <laughs> i switch it so badly so yep yeah. oh while i'm recording this it suddenly started raining it has been very rainy this past couple of days and so if you hear like a noise in the background like crackling or just you know unwanted noises it's probably that so i apologize because i don't know how much the rain is translating into the recording Uh uh-huh i'm just happy that it didn't start like thundering and lightning and stuff so yep should i give a hint for the next episode so the next episode would be a paranormal one and uh... I suppose i could give the hint of Asian supposedly Asian Pan's Film Festival yep kind of like that so it's from the 1980s if i remember the date correctly so it's supposed to be the Asia Asia's Pan's Film Festival thing film archive type of thing so that's what oh and it's a place so that's what's going to be the haunted place that we're going to talk about in the next episode so i hope you look guys look forward to that uh-huh and so let's go there's no there's nothing to talk about now we're done with the episode and yeah so if you have any stories that you want me to cover or you want me to share into this podcast you can email me at the cab at gmail.com I also have instagram which which you could message me at and it's Bacab ramblings podcast i also have twitter which is maca rambles it's m-a-c-a rambles and that's about it don't skip meals eat good food always stay hydrated take a break if you need that it's good for your mental health prioritize your health first and foremost take care of yourselves well uh-huh stay spooky and most importantly Stay safe, everybody. Ciao!